Island Church in Galveston, Texas welcomes you to our podcast. We trust that you will be encouraged by today's message. Now, doesn't my word say, when the enemy comes in, like a flood, I will raise up a standard. I will cause it to rush into your life, bringing restoration, bringing blessing, causing your health to spring forth, causing finances to come into your life, but you must maintain your stand of faith. Do not let the enemy steal that which is in your heart. Do not let the enemy steal your vision. For you are living in a day and an hour in which I am increasing the vision of this house and the vision of your personal life. That's why the enemy has tried to bring setbacks, has tried to cause discouragement. But rise up today with joy and praise in your heart and you shall see that your enemy is truly defeated and that Jesus is Lord in your life. You know that scripture in Isaiah, has always been taught and and, and preached. You know, when the enemy comes in like a flood, that God will will raise up a sin. I went and studied that in the Hebrew. And the punctuation in the English is wrong. They did not punctuate that thing correctly when they translated the Bible. It literally says in the Hebrew, when the enemy comes in with the strength and quickness of a flood, God will raise up His standard and bring deliverance to your life. That's what it says. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now listen, listen. What causes floods? The rain begins to fall. The rain begins, which is a type of the move of the Spirit. Oh, thank God. Let's thank God for the rain. Let's thank God for the rain of God. Now, the times that you live in are precarious. And the things that are going on in the strata of society are out of control and being initiated by your adversary. Therefore, you must turn your eyes from all that is happening. You must turn your eyes from all the torment that happens in governments, that happens in the medical realm, that happens in all the different facets of what goes on in life. And you must fix your eyes upon your Savior and your Lord. For He will cause you to get out of the boat and walk on the water. Even when the storm is raging and the waves are high, you will still have that supernatural ability to walk in peace and in joy and say, I don't care that the, that the storm is raging around me that the waves are rising and the seas are choppy I still can walk on this water because God has called me out of the boat and you shall see no matter how crazy it gets I will raise up a standard of peace and blessing in your life hallelujah did you ever consider that Peter walked on the water during the storm The Bible says when he saw the winds and waves boisterous, that's when he began to sink. But he stepped out in the storm. Oh, man, there's a message in that. Stepping out in the storm. Just step out and say, I'll tell you, Pastor, there's storms in my life, storms in my body, storms in my mind. Well, it may be time for you to get out of the boat. It may be time for you to get out of the boat. Amen? You know, the the song that we, I was going to have them sing that again, but they're that's no, that's okay. No, no, it's it's good. No, no, it's all right. But me and you, no, we don't. We don't want to mess up what's already going on. But pull up the uh, the chorus that we were singing because it really kind of leads into what I want to share. Uh, just that one part. Yeah, there. Yeah, that part there. I'm praying that this really becomes all the more real in our lives. It's kind of the direction I want to go. Holy, there is no one like you. How many of you believe that? There is none besides you. Open up my eyes in wonder. I believe if there's anything that we need, it's clearer and consistent and growing revelation in how we see him. Come on, somebody say amen. You know, open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are. The more clearly we see him, the less we're going to worry and fear. Amen. And uh, so this just kind of sets up really where I want to go today. I was, we, were, we were singing this. I said, well, Holy Ghost, you're just so good. Show me who you are and fill me with your heart 
and lead me in your love to those around me. Now, we sang that song through quite a few times as we were praying for, for people. And, and I want to encourage you that in the songs that we sing, really trust God to bring this to pass in our life. And uh, so from that, I want to go to, well, let me just pray. Lord, help me to communicate with clarity this morning that which I believe you want me to bring forth from my heart and, and leave a deposit to add to what you are doing in this house. Uh, also, as, as a fellow shepherd, knowing the value of your church and your people, this community of believers, I thank you for what you're building here. I thank you for the influence that it brings into this island, what it brings into this state, the influence out of this house that goes around the world. So I thank you for a strengthening of what is happening here and in each and every life in Jesus' name. Matthew chapter 16, Jesus was uh, beginning in verse 13. He was talking to the disciples, and uh, he said, who do men say that I am? Well, some say you're John the Baptist, risen from the dead. Some say you're, uh, you know, this, that. And then he goes on, he says, well, but who do you say that I am? You know, that is the most important question you'll ever answer in your life. Who do you personally say that Jesus is? And he was talking to Peter, and he says, who do you say that I am? And he says, well, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And then Jesus looked at him and said, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. In other words, there's a revealing, there's a revelation that's come to you, and it didn't come from man. Flesh and blood does not re re reveal this to you, but my Father, which is in heaven. And I also say unto you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail. Two things that I share on all the time, uh, two truths that I believe are absolutely necessary in our lives is revelation and relationships. The strength of your life is going to be built on those two things. Number one, your revelation of who he is. Jesus said, you know, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. A revealing is a revelation. Your revelation, the beginning of your faith and how, who you see Jesus is. But then after that, he says, and I say unto you that you are Peter. See, because there's two sides to revelation. One is you clearly seeing who he is. Secondly is you seeing how he sees you. It's not just you seeing that, oh, you, you, a lot of people believe that he's the son of God risen from the dead, but they don't clearly see how Jesus sees them. That's why we give place to fear. That's why we give place to concern in our finances, because we don't believe that he delights in the prosperity of his sons and his daughters. We don't see that ourselves strong, healthy, whole, blessed. We see who he is, but we don't see who we is. Amen. There's two sides to Revelation. You know, it's the clarity to see who he is to me, but to have a confidence and a, and a comfort in who I am to him. Some people have not got the other side of that. Not just who he is to me, but who am I to him, that his plans for me are good, that I'm valuable, that I'm loved, that I'm accepted. That is, you know, it, you, you got to see the other part of that. He says, and, and I say unto you, this is who you are. you got to get the part of that. This is who you are. And he says, and I will build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. Well, the revelation of who Jesus is brings you into a relationship with him. When you, if you're going to have a strong revelation, uh, relationship, you need to also see uh, two sides. It's not just who I am to Rusty, but who Rusty is to me. See, the revelation of, of him to me and me to him, that builds a strong relationship. Strong relationship is built by complete revelation. A strong relationship with Jesus comes by understanding who he is to you and then also understanding who you are to him. And, and through relationship, we come together, which is why we're in here today. We're in here today because of we, we belong to him and he's building his church. And he says, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I'm in the midst of them. You know, we live in what in the... The interpretation of that last tongue, we live in precarious days. We just live in crazy, stupid days. Precarious is just a, you know, a very nice way of saying we live in some crazy days. 
We live in some crazy times. There's some really goofy, weird, strange, ungodly things happening in the world. And the stability and the strength that's going to come into our days is because we're connected with something where there is stability and it's unchanging. We belong to something that cannot be shaken, and that's the church. And in that belonging to a local church, you build relationships. Relationships are valuable. You, you are going to make it in life because of the strength of your relationships. Now, when you understand who he is to you and when you understand who you are to him, then you'll begin to grow and increase in who you are to other people and the value that you have to other people and other people have to you. Very, very important. So that's kind of like a short introduction to really what I want to talk about concerning a healthy, valuable culture in a church. There's a story of a people and a place and a power and a presence that I believe God continues to build here in Island Church. Um, you know, of, of, of all the pastors that I know, and I have some very wonderful friends, but the confidence that I have in, in the word that is taught here, the flow of the Holy Ghost that comes in this house this is probably the single healthiest place anybody could possibly come to in all of Galveston. That there are things available in this house. You're still one of the best kept secrets in the island. But that's going to change. And not because of Rusty. Because of you. See, the growth of the church isn't just because of the shepherd. The growth of a church is because of sheep. Sheep produce sheep. Healthy sheep are a great advertisement. Luke chapter 5, verse 17. Now it happened. I'll, I like that. Now it happened. Say, now it happened. How many of you are ready for some things to happen? Now it happened on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. Jerusalem. There's a lot of people there. Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Say them. Yeah. Okay, who was the power there to heal? Yeah. Them. And who's them? Well, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who had come from every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. Then behold, men brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed, whom they, but he say they. Those are some very important people there. They. We don't know their names. They're just called they. Everybody say they. Whom they sought to bring in and lay before him. And when they could not find how they might bring him in because of the crowd, they. Everybody say they. They are very important people whose names we do not know. They went up on the housetop and they let him down with his bed through the tiling into the midst before Jesus. When he saw their faith, whose faith? There, which would be them, which would, was they. Right? You got it? Their faith, which is them, which is they. You're with me. He said to him, man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And when Jesus perceived their thoughts, you got to be careful what you think around him. <laughs> Your mouth may not be moving, but he knows what's in the hearts of man. When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and said to them, this is a different them. Why are you reasoning in your hearts, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise up and walk? But that you may know the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. He says, you know, what do you think it's harder to do, say your sins are forgiven or to be healed? But so you know that I have the power to do things you can't see, I'm going to demonstrate to you I have the power to do something that you can't see. See, first he dealt with the true problem that man has. Not paralysis, death. But I'm going to show you that I can fix paralysis and let you know I also have the authority to remove sins. 
You don't believe I can do something in the unseen. Well, I'm going to do something that you can see to show you a demonstration of power. And so he says to the man, pick up your bed and walk. And immediately, say immediately. Immediately he rose up before them, took up what he had been lying on, departed to his own house, glorifying God. He went out happy. Everybody else is freaked out. And they were all amazed, and they glorified God and were filled with fear, saying, we have seen strange things today. Now, one thing I want you to see, they were all amazed, but they also got nothing but a show. But the power was there for them, but they got nothing. One of the things I like about this, it says it happened at a, at a house. Not a church, not a synagogue, maybe one of your home. You call them home meetings, life meetings, connect meetings, or Bible studies, wherever you have meetings in a home. How many know homes are a good place to have meetings? It's a non-threatening place where people can come and get into the presence of God. And we need miracles. And another reason I like this is we need miracles in our homes. You need miracles. Some of you may maybe need a miracle in your home. You don't just get miracles in church. You don't just have to show up on Sunday and get something on Sunday. You can get something on Monday in your house. You can get something on Tuesday in your house. We need miracles outside of the walls of our church. We need miracles in our community. We need a demonstration of the goodness of God on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. You know, we don't, we don't just have an appointment with the Holy Ghost on a Sunday, and then he's not available the rest of the week. Uh, we need appointments. We need uh, manifestations of the Holy Ghost all week long in our homes, in everyday life, out where we live. It says, now it happened, and I believe it's, it, there are things that God is wanting to bring to pass in every one of our lives. It says that Jesus was in the house, and he was teaching. He's teaching. The word is going forth. One thing that I have learned being around Pastor Rusty, the brother could teach the pages right out of the Bible. There is no lack to what God can bring forth into your life if you would get into the house because the Bible says Jesus was teaching the word and the power of the Lord was present to heal. Through the teaching of the word, uh, faith is, can, can come forth in people's lives and power is available to heal. I believe every time you gather here on a Sunday, every time you gather Sunday, any day, Wednesday, any time that you gather together and the word goes forth, the power of God is there to bring results in people's lives. Romans 1.16, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, the gospel, the good news, for it is the power of God to salvation. We know salvation is an all-inclusive word. It's not just the forgiveness of sins. It's the healing of our bodies. It brings wholeness, spirit, soul, and body. It's the power of God into salvation to all who believe. Well, if you're going to believe something, you have to hear something because unless you've heard it, you don't have something to believe. In this house, there's plenty to believe. Why? Because this couple preaches the word very, very strongly and completely and in its fullness. Amen. Which means that every one of you look around and see an empty blue chair. See one? They're waiting for you to bring them. It's not, church multiplication is not hard. In fact, I'm going to go ahead and challenge you as we finish this year. I want to encourage you, next year, make it your personal goal that within one year, there is one person in this church because of you. Let me try that again. That didn't go over. I got an amen from the pastor. Or not. How many of you think in 365 days you could influence one person through your life, through your testimony, through your prayers, through your witness, and bring them into the kingdom? In one year, one person. Could you do that? Are you accepting the challenge? I will be back here this time next year. And if there's empty, any empty blue chair, you're all going to have to come up here and repent for lying last year. You still with me? 
of you believe that your world can change because of a, of a word that you receive? You know, you, you touch this thing and it jumps around. The Bible says that the power of the Lord was present to heal them all. But only one person got something. I believe every time we come together, and, and, and that's one of the things that I love so much about your pastors, just a sensitivity. Because we don't want to just go through a program, come in, sing some songs, take an offering, and because there's genuine needs. And if you come in here and if you have a need, the Holy Ghost wants to meet that. There is no one message anybody can prepare to preach that's going to meet the need of everybody who's here on a Sunday. But the Spirit of God will always want to move in such a way that whoever comes in and has a lack and has a need, either through the moving of the Spirit, through the presence of God during worship, or through the teaching of the Word, if you have a need, you can get an answer, you can get it met, so you can go home different than you came in Jesus' name. And when you understand that, it encourages you to want to bring people because you know if I could just get them there one time, I believe God will get them. Listen, I, I, I thank God for, for someone who took me to church, you know, 40-plus years ago. I was a bartender, strung out, just messed up, but somebody convinced me to go to a Wednesday night service. Someone brought me. They took me somewhere, and they brought me into a place, and the atmosphere, and the presence, and the word that I heard that night totally changed my life, and now I've just been going all over the world. But someone, God used someone, and I believe there's somebody out there waiting for you. I believe you know people, too. Even as I'm talking right now, in your mind, you're going, mm, yeah. The Bible says that they brought on a man, a man on a bed who was paralyzed, whom they sought to bring in and lay before Jesus. Ordinary people getting involved, seeing extraordinary things happen in people's lives. God uses ordinary people every single day. You know, in, in Luke chapter 14, there's a invitation to a wedding feast. And I'm just going to divert there just for a minute. In Luke 14, it said, A certain man gave a great supper, invited many, and sent a servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, Come, for all things are now ready. But they, with all one accord, began to make excuses. The first said to him, I've bought a piece of ground, and I must go see it. How many people buy ground and never looked at it? Lousy excuse. Another said, I bought five yoke of oxen, and I have to go test them. You already bought five yoke of oxen. You've never tested them out. You bought them without testing them. Another lousy excuse. Then another said, I've married a wife. I've got to go see what she looks like. No, no, that. <laughs> Almost, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I married a wife, therefore, I, this is probably maybe the only legitimate excuse, maybe. I married a wife, therefore, I cannot come. So the servant came and told all these things to the master. The master of the house, being angry, said to the servant, go out into the streets and lanes of the city and bring. Everybody say bring. How many know invitation time is over? How many of you have invited people many, many times? How many of you know they haven't come? Stop inviting them. Bring them. If inviting doesn't work, stop doing it. You know the definition of insanity. To continue to date, do the same thing over and over, but expecting a different result. Because if you invite somebody, you leave the responsibility of response to them. But if you bring them, who now is responsible? We are. So if we're inviting unsaved, we expect unsaved people to give more effort than saved. Maybe that's why it's not working. Go out quickly into the streets and bring in the poor, the maimed, the lame, and the blind. How many blind people are going to show up if you invite them? They don't know where the place is at. How many maimed people are going to show up if you invite them? None, because it's too far to crawl. But if you bring them, and most of the people that you're inviting are poor, 
broken, lamed, or maimed, or blind. They may not be blind physically, but they're blind spiritually. And, blind, and spiritually blind people don't see the value to show up on a Sunday. Because if it's not valuable enough for you to bring them, why is it valuable enough for them to show up? Because you're expecting you, the seen and the saved, to give no effort, and the lost and the blind give all the effort. Thank you, everybody. I'll see you next year. No. So we give out the invitation, which takes no effort, and the getting up, getting ready, and coming to church, figuring out where it is, walking into a strange building, and all the energy and the effort, they, the unsaved, the hurt, the broken, the wounded, the confused, the beat up by life, they extend all the effort, and we extend none. They're not going to come. Because we expect them to put more effort into it than us. I have seen the level of effort relates to the level of faith. It's not works, but it's an expectation that motivates me to do something. Now, back to Luke chapter 5. That was, invitation was just a little side thought. So men came to Jesus carrying a paraplegic on a stretcher. They attempt to bring him. Now, this is the Passion Translation. Love the Passion Translation. They attempted to bring him past the crowd to set him down in front of Jesus, but because there were so many people crowding the door, they had no way to bring him inside. So they crawled onto the roof, dug their way through the roof tiles, and lowered the man, stretcher and all, into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. Seeing the demonstration of their faith, Jesus said to the paraplegic man, My friend, your sins are forgiven you. They, the unknown, the unnamed people, in the Bible, responsible for miracles and healing, coming to pass in other people's lives. Matthew 8, 16. When evening had come, they, here they are again, say they, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, And he cast out the spirits with the word and healed all who were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Acts chapter 5, verse 14. It says, and believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes both of men and women, so that they, these people are everywhere. Everybody say they. Is this the same they or is this a different group of they? Probably a different group of they. It's spreading. And they brought the sick unto the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. Also a multitude. Everybody say multitude. That's a lot of people. A multitude gathered from around, from the, gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were old healed. See, they got healed because they brought them, and them get nothing if they don't bring them. Did you get that? Them got something because of they. They brought them. Them got healed because they brought them. They don't bring them. Them aren't there. Them get nothing. They stay home. They got nothing because they brought them. Why are they there? Because they brought them. If they didn't bring them, them get zip. And it says multitudes. Sick, blind, lame people on beds don't bring themselves. How many miracles happen because of they? Multitudes. Multitudes of people were healed because of the unknown, the unnamed, the ordinary people getting involved to see the extraordinary take place. Everybody needs some they and thems in their life. And when we become a they or them in their life, they get miracles. I need those kind of people in my life, and I want to be that kind of person in somebody else's life. 
I had someone bring me. I got saved. They brought me. Who brought you? I need these pe- kind of people in my life. I don't want to be this kind of person in somebody, else's, in, in somebody else's life. You can come, you can sit, and you can watch, or you can get involved in other people's lives. There was a place, there was a person, there was a power that was present. But to bring change in somebody else's life, they, and they had faith. Isn't it funny? Until they showed up with a crippled man, nothing happened. And what they did was extraordinary. They didn't just bring him. He couldn't bring himself. I don't even know if the crippled man, see, we don't, we don't have a lot, so we can conjecture and we can play with the story. And you just have to be careful you don't say what Scripture doesn't say. We don't know if this man had heard it. We don't know if the paraplegic man had heard about Jesus. We just knew the friends had. He didn't bring himself. We don't see the crippled man saying, hey, guys, can you take me to this meeting? I've heard, you know, we, we knew about the woman with the issue of blood. We knew that she had heard about Jesus, but we don't know about the paralyzed man, but we do know about his friends. We don't have to know anything about him. In fact, even when he was lowered through the roof, it didn't even say Jesus saw his faith. It says he saw their faith. They did something crazy. First of all, they brought him. And secondly, they weren't dissuaded. Well, you know, it was a good try, but we can't get in the door. We can't get through the window. And so, well, it was a good effort. No, they were intentional, and they weren't going to give up. You ha- if you really believe that in this house and in this church and around this ministry, anything is possible for God to turn somebody's life around. You will not be easily dissuaded. You're going to do whatever it takes because you know if you can just get them into the presence of God where the word is being taught, miracles can take place. Jesus didn't bring him. The disciples didn't bring him. Disciples didn't usually bring anybody. They were usually the problem. Even the woman, you know, at the well, why is he talking to her? Even when they were bringing kids to Jesus. No. Thank God later on everything turned around for them. Suffer the little children. You know, let them come unto me. And then a couple verses later, the disciples would tell him, go away. Don't bother Jesus with kids. He's going, oh, how long must I suffer with you? There's a place, there's a person, there's a presence, and there's a power. I believe there's wonderful things that God is wanting to do in this church. And I believe that he wants every single one of you involved. I believe he wants every single one of you involved. I believe that you are an answer to somebody's prayer. They're just waiting for you to show up. I believe there are people during the week that you're going to come across and the Spirit of God is going to work upon your heart and you're going to inconvenience yourself. How many of you know carrying a a paralyzed person, who knows how big he is? I don't know how many friends there were. I don't know if there were two or if there was four. If there's four, that's a little bit easier. If there's two... It's a little bit harder. But when they get to the house, they don't give up. So, well, you know, the guy could have looked at him and said, well, you guys, you know, it's a nice try. But you can't get in the door. can't get through the window. No, 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 it's okay. It's okay. We'll figure this out. No, 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 no. How are we going to get in there? i tell you what we're going to do. We're going to take you up on the roof. No, 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 don't mind Hey, hey, we can go up on the roof. We can tear a hole in the roof and can lower you down. No, 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 man. I'm, I'm afraid of heights. What, what if you drop me? Man, you're already paralyzed. You won't feel a thing. <laughs> it won't hurt. You're already paralyzed. <laughs> we need friends who know where to go, what you need to hear, What would it take to get you there and what's needed in your life? Not give up because of a crowd. Take you up on a roof and tear a hole. Do you have the kind of friends that would tear a hole in the roof for you? Can you imagine they're tearing a hole in the roof? Jesus is there. Now, some people say it was his house. I don't know if it was his house or not. Whoever's house it was, they're probably thinking, 
What's going on? You now have a sunroof. What are you doing? Well, you know, we, this was the only way in. And I think Jesus is there going, how cool is this? I got all this stuffy religious people in front of me. The power of God is here to heal them all. From what I can perceive, they're all in their head. There's not a living heart amongst them. Finally, some faith has shown up. Look at these crazy guys on the roof. I love these guys. Look at them. They're nuts. I love nut people. God loves crazy people. He does. Why do you think he got the sons of thunder and made disciples out of them? I mean, James and John, these weren't normal guys. They got rejected in one town. They wanted to call down fire and barbecue everybody. These aren't normal guys. He's called the beloved in the end, but he was the barbecuer in the beginning. <laughs> Jesus loves it. They tear a hole in the roof, and he sees their faith. He sees what they're willing to do, whatever it takes. I need to get this person to Jesus, whatever it takes. Whatever it takes, I need to get him there. Do we have a whatever it takes? Listen, the night that I got saved, the next it's two days later, I went to see my best friend. It, my best friend through high school was, was a, a girl, and her name was Bonnie, and my dearest friend. And um, I used to go over to her house, and her father was a World War II vet, and, and he was just burned out and fried, and he couldn't even talk. He was just under so much care with drugs and everything. And, and I would go over there, and, and he had just cases and cases of beer stacked. He probably had about 15 cases of beer just stacked. I mean, he would just drink all day long. And I would go over there with Bob and just drink, and we'd just mumble at one another. And that's how Bob talked. You'd walk in the door. I'd just go, hey, Bob. Really? Well, I'll be there in just a minute. I'd sit down, grab a beer. Cheers, Bob. This is Bob. Two days after I got saved, I came over, walked in the door. Bonnie, my friend, I walked in. She goes, she goes, what's happened to you? I said, huh? She goes, you don't even look. Sit down. I sat down. She goes, what's going on? I hadn't said a word. What's going on? I said, I came to tell you something happened to you. She goes, I know something has happened to you. So I just began to tell her about the Lord. Wednesday night, she went to church with me. She got saved. We believed, we believed that any person we got there, God would touch. Every opportunity we had to take somebody up to this place on a Wednesday night, we would grab them, take them, kidnap them, bribe them, persuade them, whatever. In time, Bonnie got saved. Then her sister got saved. Her mom got saved. And we began to pray for Bob. Within six months, Bob was in his right mind, no longer an alcoholic, completely healed and whole and restored, and could carry on a complete conversation with you with clarity. God had totally transformed his life. See, someone took me. Someone basically pulled me out of where I was. And then I began to go out. I became one of they. I want to encourage you, become a they. Doing what it takes to get people into the right place where they can experience the power of God in their life. Now listen, many people are paralyzed today. They're not paralyzed where they're laying in a cot, but they're paralyzed with fear. They're paralyzed with guilt or shame or regret. They're paralyzed through shame. They're paralyzed through lies or deception or past pains or financial destruction, financial destruction, betrayal, rejection, abuse, hopelessness, overwhelming disappointment, and some people actually are physically paralyzed. 
And a paralyzed person doesn't have the ability. They don't have the effort. They don't have the energy. They don't have the vision. They don't have the hope. They don't have the strength to get themselves to where they need to get. Or if they did have a little bit of strength to get them to where they needed to get, once they get to the place and it's not convenient and you can't get in, there's no way through the door. There's no way through the window. They're certainly not. They don't have the effort to go on the roof and tear a hole. And they're not going to see it all the way through. And I can promise you this, that anybody that takes any kind of step forward, the enemy will do everything that he possibly can to hinder, to delay, and to cause them to suffer a frustration so they don't get to where they need to get to get a hold of what's needed in their life. But when someone brings them, you carry them past hurts, pains, hesitations, disappointments, and obstacles because you understand warfare. They don't. You do. And so you bring them past the place of warfare and delay and disruption, and you bring them into a place where they can get a touch of God, and their life will never be the same again. Some people medicate with drugs, some alcohol, wrong relationship, pornography, stop the pain, Some go to the extreme of suicide. And even if they had the strength to get to where they might get some help, like I said, the crowded door, the crowded rooms, what stopped them from pushing through? Thank God for friends that grab a hold of you and say, hey, I know of a place that there is a presence, there is a power, but most of all, it's all about a person, not Pastor Rusty, but Jesus. And there's something in that place. There's something in that people. There's something when people gather together. There's something in the culture of a church that we're here because we know that we have something that people need. There's something when you pray. You, you pray in the atmosphere that when people come into a place that healing is here, hope is here, forgiveness is here, restoration is here, but you have to bring them into that place. People want to know, does anybody value me enough to pick me up and carry me past hindrance, delay, interference, obstacle, barrier, or another failed expectation. Does anybody care about my life to give enough effort to bring me to a place to help me get to what I need to get, to do what it takes to get me into the right place with the right people to experience a power that can transform my life? So who will we carry? Who do we get past the crowded door window? Who are we willing to take up higher onto a roof? And then if you tear a hole in the roof, are you going to pay to fix it or stay and fix it? They get healed. They go home. You're staying there fixing the roof. You tore it up. Hey, you guys fix that when you're done. He's gone. I see you up there. Fix my roof now. And I think maybe Jesus, okay, this is my interpretation. This is when he re- likes to irritate Judas, who had all the money. He goes, Judas, give the guy some money, pay for the roof. Yeah. Well, but Lord, I, no, 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 go ahead. I think it's pretty cool. I think what those guys did, I don't want them to pay for it. Judas, you pay, you got plenty of money. Come on, I know you've been stealing anyway. Anyway, just pay for <laughs> Pay to fix the brother's roof. I think Jesus would do something like that. You're, if you're looking in your Bible of going, well, I don't see that. It's, it's. How wonderful to have those kind of friends in your life. I have some friends like that. I really do. I have some right here. Sam Carr is a friend like that. Mark Brzee is a friend like that. I have friends that if anything was to happen, they would do whatever it would take to get me to where, into the place that I, I would need. Not only do I have friends like that, but I have purposed that I want to be a friend like that. I want to encourage you. See, through revelation, you come into relationships. People that you need in your life, that's why you're here. You're here to build a relationship with him, but you're here to build a relationship with one another because when he said, I will build my church. It's a community of believers that not only have a relationship with him, but we have a relationship with one another. And the way that we live out this relationship is what brings an influence into our city, which causes Jesus to become demonstrated to people in everyday life, not just on Sunday, but in everyday life. And people see that and and they can experience that. And then we position ourselves to help people get a touch from heaven in their life. How wonderful to have friends who have faith whose faith can be seen by their action in their lives. Hebrews 3, 
Verse 12, this is in the Amplified Classic, says, Therefore, brethren, take care, lest there be in any of you a wicked, unbelieving heart which refuses to cleave to and trust and rely on him, leading you to turn away and stand or desert or stand aloof from the living God. But instead, warn, admonish, urge, encourage one another every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you would be hardened into a settled rebellion through the deceitfulness of sin by the strategies of the devil. Hebrews 10.23, Amplified Classic also says, Let us seize and hold fast and retain without wavering the hope we cherish and confess, confess in our acknowledgement of it. For he who promised is reliable, sure, and faithful to his word. Let us consider and give attentive, continuous care to watching over one another. What, what makes Island Church such a beautiful church? It's not what happens just from the platform towards the congregation. It's what happens within the congregation. See, there's revelation that comes this way, but it builds relationship with this way. That's what makes it such a beautiful church. Continuous care to watching over one another, studying how we may stir up and stimulate and incite to love and helpful deeds and noble activities, not forsaking or neglecting to assemble together as believers, as is the habit of some people, but admonishing, warning, urging, encouraging one another, and all the more faithfully as you see the day approaching. I believe that what makes our churches wonderful is not just the great teaching, the great teaching, and the wonderful presence of God in our worship. It's the community that we build. It's the relationships that we build. It's the friendships that we build with one another and the faith that we carry for one another. Because if you look at any time Jesus commended somebody on their faith, it was always when they were using it for somebody else. When it was the centurion, he, Jesus said, oh, great faith. When it was a Syrophoenician woman, he goes, I haven't seen great faith. And here it says Jesus saw their faith. Anytime Jesus is commending somebody on their faith, they were always using it for somebody else. And let me tell you, the enemy wants us to get so self-focused and so selfish and so self-centered that we are fighting just to take care of ourselves and we're never breaking beyond those boundaries to where we can use what we have to benefit somebody else. And when you can begin to give out that way because faith isn't just the pulling in it's the giving out and when you begin to use your faith and I want to encourage you some of the some of the things you will see, begin to see break in your life is when you begin to go out and grab a hold of somebody said listen I'm going to because sometimes it's not what you give out of here sometimes this is the easiest thing to give and this is the hardest Sometimes your time, your inconvenience, your afternoon, your early morning, that's much harder. It's easier to write a check. It's easy, but, but sometimes it's not the money that's needed. It's you that's needed. It's your hand that's needed. It's your voice that's needed. It's your time that's needed. Because then what, what's going to happen is they're going to see Jesus and you're, they're going to find out that he really does care about them because it's coming out of you. So this next year, at least one person? At least one? Amen. I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm laying out a challenge. Come on, I'm serious. Every single one of you, at least one person. And I believe you're already getting people in your mind. You're thinking, you know what? It's time. I'm going, I'm going after. Be relentless. Be like a dog on a bone. Yeah, but they, 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 they don't want to come. Well, I invited them. They, they didn't come. Go after them. Go after them. Oh, they'll, they'll, no, 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 no. They're... They're impossible. One story, and I'll close. After I got saved, I went to a Bible bookstore. It's a couple weeks afterwards. No, couple, no, within the first week. I walked in the Bible bookstore, and I thought, well, I need to get a Bible. And I'm looking through the shelves and looking for Bibles and went over by the music section. And this guy comes walking in, and he goes, Paul. What are you doing in here? So I'm looking for music, and I thought I'd get a Bible. Why? Because I'm a Christian. Oh, no, 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 you're not. He was in my speech class. And, and 
uh, that I had on in the evenings. I was going to a community college at that time. I gave speeches on legalization of marijuana. Uh, I gave, uh, I gave, I gave some of the craziest speeches. I gave a speech on on alcohol one time, and I figured the best way to do it was to come in drunk. My speech on legalization of marijuana. I figured the best way to give that was to come in high. And then one night, I I. I just didn't want to be in class, and so I opened the door, and the class was going on. I waved to the teacher. I said, look, I can't be here. I was so stoned. I said, look, I can't come to class tonight. My turtle drowned, and I got to go home and do a funeral. And, and I just walked out. And, and so, you know, so this guy was in my class for two months. So now he sees me in a Bible bookstore. He goes, so what are you doing in here? I said, well, I'm getting some music. He says, yeah, but everything in here is Christian. I said, yeah, I know. I said, I'm, I'm going to get some Christian music. Why? Well, because I'm a Christian. He goes, no, you're not. <laughs> I said, yes, I am. He goes, no, 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 Paul, Paul. He goes, you're not. He goes, man, I've been in your class for two months. And I said, oh, oh, oh. I said, three nights ago or last week. Yeah, it was at least a week or so. I said, last week, I got saved. I said, I even got filled with the Holy Ghost. You know, speaking in tongues, you know about that stuff? He went. And he put his arms around him and began to cry and weep. And I, and he, I thought he was going to get snot all over me. And I, I pushed him off. I go, wow. Um, I thought, Christians are weird. I said, you should be happy. You should be really happy. Why are you crying? He goes, oh, you don't understand. He goes, I hated to see you come to class. I thought, well, that's a little harsh. He goes, no, no. Every time you came to class, every time you walked in the door, the Lord would speak to me and tell me to talk to you. I said, really? Really? He goes, yeah, but I said, God, there's no way. That guy's impossible. He said, every, every time I had class uh, three nights a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Every time you walked in the door, the Lord would tell me, you, go talk to Paul. S say something to him. Every, for two months, when you walked in the door, it's like, oh. And I would just feel this. I said, you never did. He goes, no. I said, why not? He goes, man, you were impossible. I said, well, what did he tell you to tell me? He goes, so simple. Jesus loves you and he cares about your life. That's eight words. I went, wow, that's pretty heavy. I said, you know, I was working as a bartender. And this young lady got me to go to church. She invited me to go with her. But before she got me to church, she got me over to her house. Now, I don't suggest this to any young ladies. to never invite a stoned bartender to your house at 1 o'clock in the morning. That's not God. Why she did it had, I don't know. I came in at 1 o'clock in the morning after a big, tall drink of Southern Comfort, snorted a line of Coke, sitting there in her house, and I said, and she looked at me, and she goes, do you know why I invited you over here? I said, I think so. <laughs> she said, the reason I asked you to come over here was to tell you that Jesus loves you and he cares about your life. You know how many words that was? The same words that this guy was told for two months. I got saved. I still know that young lady today. She introduced me to her best friend. I married her best friend. She introduced me to Jesus and my wife, two people I've been serving ever since. <laughs> Nobody's impossible. Me and Rusty are living examples that nobody's impossible. Nothing is impossible. There are people in your everyday life, and you are an answer to their prayer. You need to become 
a they to them to get them to him. Because there is a place, there is a power, there is a presence, and there is a touch that's needed in their life. And God wants to use you. You don't have to be the greatest teacher. You don't have to teach like Rusty. You don't have to preach, pray, or prophesy. But you can tell somebody that Jesus loves them and he cares about their life. And you can show up, bribe them with lunch, whatever it takes. But say, listen, I want you to come to church with me. No, I don't do church. Done with that. No, no, no. Because when you say the word church, you know what they have in their mind? The most recent memory or the bad, the the reason they don't go to church is what's in their mind. Where they grew up, where they got hurt, where they got wounded, or some silly stuff they see on TV. You cannot allow what's in their head to define what church is because they don't know what you know because you have a revelation. And you, if you don't walk in their revelation, then they're going to get stuck with theirs. So you have to allow what you see to be greater than what they see, and you have to bring forth the effort to bring them in because there is a place, there is a presence, there is a power, and you can bring them into a place where they can get a touch of God in their life and they'll never be the same. Who knows, they might be a missionary that goes to another side of the world for the last 40 years. God can take a bartender, he can take an ex-stoned-out surfer, and he can send them around the world. You have no idea who you're reaching. God uses unusual people to do extraordinary things, and he wants to use you here in Galveston. We need the kind of friends that would tear a hole in the roof. Are you one of those? You're going to stay and fix the roof or pay for it? Yeah, yeah. Whatever it takes, whatever it takes, and there you, you put your faith on the line. Do you think Jesus will, will, will come up short if you do that? No, never. You watch him do miracles in people's lives. Well, stand up with me. I went long enough. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing in Island Church. I thank you that as we finish this year and come into 2020, how appropriate, 2020, great vision and insight. Open our eyes to see who you really are to us and who we really are to you, who we are to one another. Open our eyes to the people in this congregation and continue to broaden and deepen and strengthen the relationships that people have here. Open our eyes in everyday life and out in our community where, where we see people who need a touch from you and we realize that we who have been set free, we who have faith in a living, resurrected Savior, we who believe in the power of the Holy Ghost, that there's just so much available and let us not limit you. Show us who we can go after. Show us the people that are so hurt and wounded and in and, and need and let us be the kind of people that really, if we had to pick up someone physically, we would. Maybe we just need to carry them emotionally or financially or some way and bring them in. We can't make them whole, but we know you can. Use the men and women in this house. There's so much in this house. Your presence is here. Your word is here. The, the power of the Lord is present in this place to heal, to fix, to restore, to rebuild, to renew. There's so many people in our surrounding area that they need what's in this house. They need what's in our community. They, they need to experience the life and the love that's in our relationships. Help us to become those kind of people who would give the effort to go out of our way and to bring them in and to watch miracles happen in their life. Not out of a religious duty or obligation, but an excitement, an expectation, and a, and a joy. Out of a gratitude because somebody along the way reached out and touched us. Someone was inconvenienced for us. Someone carried us. Someone spoke to us. Help us to get back the excitement and the anticipation of of you touching somebody's life and us having the joy of the involvement of watching miracles take place because we made ourselves available. Lord, I thank you for, as we finish 
2019 and come into 2020 that there is this phenomenal increase, this capacity of compassion and passion that just grows and enlarges our heart for you and our heart for people. Help us to become they who bring them to get a touch from you. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com. Hallelujah, Jesus.